Hello and welcome to the Agnes Musings podcast where we explore the depth of the human experience. I'm really sorry it took me a while to record the second episode of this podcast and that's because I kind of feel like if I would make an excuse up, it was because I started the podcast at the beginning of the Lenten season, which in retrospect I feel was not uh, the smartest decision because as the Lenten season progressed, I was often at the limit of my physical abilities and there was really n- not much motivation, you know, to just pick up a recorder and start recording myself. And, you know, as learning season progressed, uh, I kind of sometimes found myself with a broken spirit. And that's because, you know, the Lenten season is always a time of self-retrospection. So I feel like, yes, I did uh, go through the Lenten season, but now I have more clarities about many areas of my life and uh, I think clarity on a lot of topics. And I'm really thrilled now to be recording the second episode today and i couldn't be more excited truly truly about the relative success of the first episode and the feedback has been phenomenal and i'm truly grateful for the support that i have received so far seriously i'm really amazed at the reach of our podcast now because i think we are now available in more than 10 podcasting platforms some other um, podcasting platforms picked up the podcast even without my knowledge and it was when i just put the podcast on google that i saw the reach of the podcast like it is incredible to see how this little podcast of mine has grown seriously in such a, a little amount of time especially at just one episode and i'm really humbled by the response i've received so far so I would like to take a moment to thank everyone who has interacted with my podcast uh, so far, who have left voice notes in response, comments, written. Your support means the world to me, and I appreciate every single one of you. Uh, because I think now we have two five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts, and uh, I would really like to reach about five uh, five star ratings by the end of the second podcast so if you are an iphone user please take a moment to leave a rating it will really mean the world to me so as i embark on this second episode i want to assure you that i will continue to bring you uh, thought-provoking and engaging content that will challenge your thinking and broaden your perspective i cannot believe that the human experience is a tapestry of emotions thoughts and experiences and i will want to explore all facets of it one thing i'm proud about uh, and i'm really kind of i find impressive is that i published that very first episode because before i did i listened to it again and again and at some point i found some grammatical errors and some sections of the podcast that i felt were unnecessary and sounded like i was rambling on and on the funny thing is that was not even the very first recording of the podcast i made i had for that previous episode i had uh, about three or four recordings of that podcast but i was still uncomfortable with some elements in, in them so i recorded again and recorded and recorded and i just thought that the recording would never be perfect but then i was like i'll just upload 
I was just upload. And I'm happier that I did. I feel like if you keep looking for faults in anything in life, in your recordings, even if I recorded the last one again, I will still find fault with it. So putting it out there, putting myself out there is so profound for me because I'm seeing the effect it has on people. And um, sometimes I feel like self-criticism can be a form of uh, procrastination. And if I've learned something, it is that uh, if you really want to do something, you shouldn't think too much about it. Just put yourself out there, especially when you feel you have something of value to offer. So with that being said, I'm proud to say that I'm putting myself out there and sharing my content on various platforms, including TikTok, YouTube, Instagram and Pinterest so you can find me under the username of Agnes Musings on all this platform and I'm excited to share my thoughts and ideas with you and I hope that you find my content at least insightful at least and uh, valuable on TikTok and Instagram I have like more than 100,000 views on my Agnes Musing hashtag and uh, on YouTube too, I think I have over 30,000 views. So it's amazing to see the impact that my content has on others. And I'm grateful for every single person who uh, takes time and goes out of their way to engage with my content. So I think if you're ever in the mood for some thought-provoking content, then I encourage you to check out my profile on these platforms. So whether you prefer short videos or long-form content, I think I have something for everybody. Who knows? You might even find something new that you like. So that being said, uh, that being said, I also kind of write. I write on Medium from time to time. Something similar to what I do right here on this platform, but in a more concrete and direct manner. So if you like to read about things, I also write uh, some, I think, really funny things. So you can go out there and check it out. In retrospect, I would uh, say something that I've learned is that, and I would like to encourage you, is to put yourself out there and share your talents with the world. Don't let uh, self-criticism hold you back from achieving your goals. And remember that uh, sometimes uh, the biggest risk is not taking one at all. Now let's go to the Agnes Musings of the day. And uh, just to remind you that the Agnes Musings podcast is still sponsored by Amiable Family Interiors, where you get the best of your household interior designs. So you check them out online or reach out to them directly. And um, I really appreciate their sponsorship. And now let's go to the museum for today. And I think I've shared this museum with a couple of people just to get a little bit of feedback before doing it here. Because um, I'd love the response from my last uh, podcast as a, and discussion of life as a journey. But today's podcast will have a deeper focus on the human experience, more kind of intricate. As uh, human beings, we have this innate sense that uh, we are unique and special, but uh, have you ever wondered what exactly makes us feel this way? What makes us who we are? What really makes us human? I believe that understanding our humanity is crucial to thriving in life. I feel like by examining our lives from different perspectives, we can gain a deeper understanding of what makes us human. And it kind of answers these age-old philosophical questions that have been pondered on by many great thinkers throughout history. And it is about uh, life and personhood. 
this podcast today i would like us to explore some of these ideas and try to understand uh, ourselves and the human experience uh, from a new perspective so i hope uh, this episode will be informative and thought-provoking as always Uh, feel free to share your thoughts with me and your insights just the way you've always been doing through comments leaving voice notes i will really appreciate that I kind of feel that there are two sets of people in this life. The first set think that life is simple and they always find a way to complicate it. And there are those people that think that life is a bit complicated and find their way to simplify it. And I just know that those people listening to this, my podcast, are not simple things. So I believe that we'll try to simplify what can sometimes seem like a very complicated life. So to start off... um, I would like to look at humanity from the different perspectives. And the first would be the perspective of humanity from the perspective of life. And then we'll proceed on humanity from the perspective of personhood. And I'll try to simplify this as much as possible. I was asked the question, what is life? Who is life? What is life? Maybe you would have your own answer for that and we know that uh, it's as important to understand life in its study as it is to experience it itself and uh, i perceive that uh, if we fully understand and grasp the concept of life it's kind of going to be easier for us to thrive in it Uh, also i feel like christians for thousands of years have been at the forefront of knowledge but one thing we'll understand, even as I speak um, concretely about this topic, is to understand that we always know in parts. So our understanding in itself is also in parts. But from my own perspective, if I was to define life, I would say life is a condition that distinguishes <laughs> uh, animals and plants from other inorganic matter. If I were expound on it, I would say it, it includes uh, the capacity for growth, for reproduction, functional ability, and uh, conditional change. Actually, I did Google that uh, to have a very concise definition about life. And I was so impressed by some of the specific things that um, distinguishes something that is alive from something that is dead. One is the capacity for growth, capacity to reproduce, to have functional ability and conditional change and that's one thing something that has conditional change yeah uh, non-living things can change if you are uh, if you're taking a course in would i say pedology or uh, about rocks you know rocks kind of sometimes change their form but that doesn't really mean that um, they are alive so change really is not uh, one of the characteristics of something being alive there's no one distinct attribute that makes you say this thing is alive it's just a combination of a lot of attributes that will give that oh this is alive while this is not alive so in other words uh, life is kind of the ability to experience change within the sequence of time the capacity to reproduce oneself and the ability to function 
means like life is that aspect of uh, existence that processes, that acts, that reevaluates, that evolves, that grows through reproduction and metabolism. <laughs> so the crucial difference I feel like between life and non-life is that kind of life, what will I say, uh, uses energy for physical and kind of conscious development. I feel like with this definition, we can agree that uh, a lot of things around us are living. Animals are living, plants are living, humans are also living, if we follow that definition. Even the simplest organisms kind of are alive by that definition. So what distinguishes uh, one life from another? What distinguishes the life of a plant from the life of an animal, from the life of a human? So, you know, there's a passage in scripture that says that all of God's creation is anxiously awaiting the expression, expression, I think, of the children of God. Even start at the basics. What distinguishes the life of a plant from the life of an animal and the life of a human being? I would say from my own perspective, and I think from scripture, because I'm always talking from a Christian worldview, so from scripture unlike um, animals and human beings and plants do not have a spirit within them whereas an animal has a spirit and a human being has a spirit a plant does not have a spirit and that's why when corruption came into the world it affected animals and humans that has uh, that had spirits in different ways than it affected plants some people might feel uncomfortable with me saying that uh, animals have a spirit well animals do have a spirit and i think that's why in some ways we kind of relate to them in a different way than we relate to plants and that we relate to the trees in the forest the way you, you the relationship you have with your pet dog your pet goat your pet parrot is different from the relationship some people have good relationships with their plants i'm not judging anyone that has relationship with their plants i'm not saying that plant in itself doesn't have a spirit within them and you cannot connect with the plants the way you can connect to an animal and the distinguishing factor is because of an animal also has a spirit in the same way that a human being has a spirit what i'm really trying to say is that animals and humans experience life in a similar a similar way because of our ability to have a distinctiveness and a spirit. Plants in themselves don't have, really have that idea of distinctiveness in a way. I don't want to go into genetics in a way. Let's forget about that. We experience life in similar ways, but animals and humans are distinct in the spirit that we have. Because animals have a spirit, they die in the same way humans die. But plants don't really die in the same way that a human being or an animal die. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. The experience of an animal is similar in the sense that uh, we, to humans, in the sense that we experience death in the same way. We kind of share the similar breath. And that's why uh, Solomon was once frustrated and he said that uh, really we do not have anything that differs us from an animal which makes things meaningless that uh, i said we'll go to the same place we all come from dust and to dust we all return it's i think the sentiment is about uh, the human life and the animal experience of life and death 
you can cut off a tree and it will still come up again and he said that there is still hope for what a tree that is cut off because it can still regenerate because the way it experiences life the same way human beings don't experience life like that you can't cut a part of an animal and expect it to regenerate the same way a tree's body part is going to regenerate i think i'm kind of breaking it down to the specifics in our understanding of life this kind of arguments about humans and animals uh, and their perception of life has been going on for thousands of years and there's still really a bit of confusion and the confusion i think comes about uh, when it comes about the value of a plant's life and animal's life and human life and i would like to reference uh, the ecclesiastics of solomon when he said that uh, i said to myself as for humans God tests them so they see that they are like the animals. Surely the fate of human beings is like that of the animal. The same fate awaits both. As one dies, so the other dies. All have the same bread. Humans have no advantage over animals. Everything is meaningless. We all go to the same place, all come from dust, and all return to dust. Who knows if the spirit, the human spirit rises upward and the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth. Uh, I feel like Solomon was experiencing an existential crisis here because he was like, if human beings and animals experience life in the same form, what is my the value of my own life? Like, how do I experience life the same way as an animal? And uh, why is my life uh, more valuable than that of an animal? So the, when I say spirit, I mean like like since human beings and animals share spirits, what I mean is that um, that spirit is like the non-physical part of the person. It, it is the kind of the seat of emotions and character. If you've had dogs before, especially two dogs, you know that these two dogs have different characteristics. They have different, uh, I would say, personalities. When I say spirit, I mean the secret part of being. I mean the immaterial part of a person that encompasses emotions and uh, character. Anyways, for my own understanding, I would like to say it's a, it is a reflection of God in everything he creates. And the characteristics of God are also present in animals. That means that uh, there is an immaterial part of animals that reflects some of the attributes of God. Since God is a spirit and all spirits kind of proceed from God in a way. So if animals and humans have spirits, I think they express God in different ways. My own perspective, I would say that uh, animals reflect the touch of God, while humans reflect the breath of God. But I think we'll go deeper into that as the podcast progresses. But that's something, a kind of an insight I feel I have. And I feel like this perception of the value of animals and the value of human beings is still being debated in our society today. I remember reading of a a professor, I think, of a university in the United States. If I can remember, what's the name of the university? Uh, mm, I don't know. George University. Some a university in the United States. And that professor always asks his students, he would take like a sample of his students and ask them that... um, uh, he will give an, a kind of hypothetical, hypothetical scenario. It's, he would say, okay, maybe a dog, your own dog and a stranger is drowning. Who would you save? 
just google to the question so the question you ask them is that a foreigner a foreigner a foreign tourist is drowning as well as your dog who would you save and an outstanding i think an astonishing uh, 40% of people said that they were going to save their dog 40% of people feel like a their dog's life is worth more than a stranger's life and he when he asked like the question in a different way like a dog and maybe your grandparent a dog and maybe your cousin then their answers will kind of change a bit that to be sincere like there's really no compare and uh, compelling reason to have like s- to like save the stranger's life first except there's a general consensus as to the assertion that uh, human life is infinitely precious and infinitely more precious than that of an animal okay i'll say that i've been in a scenario where i had to place value on the lives of animals and um, uh, i feel a few years ago i got into farming right and at one point uh, so i was farming and the farm was on a virgin land that had never been planted on before and i had planned my entire farming season so i had planted corn cassava i had missed cropping on point i had the whole idea of the money i was going to make from the uh, from my um, farm all planned out and i was going to my farm i employed some people to work on the farm for me and um, as the harvest was it was such a beautiful farm i feel like i should have i could i wish i could post uh, pictures very beautiful i was able to deal with um um pests and diseases and like i was raising corn and no no blight on the farm because it was virgin land and so there were really not much diseases on the farm and in the first when the hops of the cobs of the of the corn started coming up the first week i was just like this is fantastic i could just see the money right in front of me i could see the harvest being plentiful and then suddenly one morning we, uh, i went with, to the farm with my mom and my dad and uh, just noticed that there was kind of a catastrophe occurring on the farm because it's kind of felt like maybe some people got into the farm and were uprooting and uh, were harvesting the premature uh and corn hubs or something and i was so confused i was like how can human beings be so wicked because you just came to my farm to destroy the farm and you are not even it's not like you came and harvested the corn that you could eat you could not eat at this stage of uh, the fruiting process so i was kind of confused but then Uh, I asked some a couple of people and they were like oh sometimes some monkeys used to come and there are a lot of monkeys around this area so we now decided to come to the farm early the next morning to kind of like shock so around um, before 6 uh, we were at the farm 
and when we got to the farm i think 6 6 30 if i'm correct if i can remember clearly and i'm not lying to you we saw about like maybe 10 to 15 monkeys just running immediately we opened uh walked into the farm they were just running blah, 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 blah. and they were running and jumping because it's a fenced uh, uh area so they just started jumping and running i was so shocked i was like I normally see two or three monkeys like around but they were not like I see them in person but I never knew there were so many monkeys in the in the farm and so when my staff came in I told them oh I saw monkeys and the monkeys are responsible for this destruction and like what can we do to kind of because like a scarecrow cannot scare monkeys away they are smarter than that I didn't know what to do so one of the uh, the men working for me now said that uh, what we can do is to kind of uh, poison lay a poisonous trap for the monkeys and that if one of them eats it and dies the others will run away from the farm and they will not want to come back to the farm again i was like what do you mean he was like you like we would set a poison trap i don't and i didn't really buy the idea was for us to poison the monkeys and when well, maybe if two or three of them die that they will not come back to the farm again and i i feel like i was i didn't want to do that i kind of i'll kind of describe it as a moral dilemma for me because i felt like why would i want to poison a monkey which who was just living his life being a monkey even though right it really affected me in a very concrete way and i really was not uh, i think able to do that i feel like if it was a life or death situation where my life or a monkey's life i feel like I will, it would be an easy decision to make to kill the monkey but i felt it was not a life or death situation i felt like it was a life or money situation so i could not bring myself to poisoning monkeys so kind of i kind of just let them ransack through the farm to be honest I don't know. I don't think money is synonymous to life in a way. I feel like if I had really killed maybe two or three monkeys and they had died, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I don't know. I just like, I just could not bring myself to doing it. I don't know. I don't know how to logically say it more than the way I've said it. I just felt like it was not a life or death situation. So I didn't need to kill the monkeys in a way. But uh, some people might argue otherwise that. Um, I, will, I, I had um, rights over the animals to kill them and to make to make sure they don't destroy my property but again this was a virgin land and it was their properties first <laughs> so i feel like it was like it was really really a moral dilemma for me this is funny to me because i feel like that kind of creates the distinction to how i view human life than the way i view plant life because to plant on that land i had to clear that land and i really didn't have any grievance about clearing that land but i really did have a lot of grievances about uh, killing monkeys i don't know if they were rodents in the farm maybe i would not have that much grievance to killing rodents but just killing monkeys I feel like they were they are kind of a more i don't know i don't know i placed values in on the lives of the monkeys than maybe i would have placed on the life of the rodents and certainly placed on the life of 
I really did place more value, I think, on the life of the monkeys than I did on the life of the plants that I cleared out of the of the farm. So that's just a story of some give a new perspective to what I'm talking about and the distinction of life in a form in a, in a way. I don't know. There are some people that still believe that uh, plants have a spirit and are alive in the same way that animals and humans are alive. I beg to differ. I don't. I, I. I don't believe that plants have a spirit in the same way animals and humans have a spirit. And I want to really take us back to the beginning of time, right? When God said, uh, when God created the earth. If we look uh, deep into the speech that God made. He said that he made all the plants in the gardens and all, I think, the fruits for us to eat. This means that I feel like by God's original design, man were not, uh, man was not meant to consume animals. I think we should hold on to that thought. If uh, the original plan of God was for humans and animals alike to consume plants, I feel like it's because they are a solely life force and nothing else. The only exception uh, was the knowledge of good and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Even then, God allowed uh, animals to eat plants. Even what we consider carnivorous animals now, we are not originally carnivorous. But I feel like when corruption entered the world and men fell, there became an inherent need for humans to consume animals and from even for some animals to consume other animals and that's why in the promise of the world restored we see that uh, we notice the animals even stop consuming other animals you see that the lion eats grass like a goat will eat grass because that is the ideal in a perfect world uh, i think uh, that is always like the point of ethical discourse in many philosophical fields and other aspects uh, like uh, it is a point of ethical discourse in philosophy and uh, other aspects of, of uh, human discussions and uh, maybe in law and governance the discussion as to what aspects of being differentiates man and other animals and animals or not say other animals and animals uh, some argue that uh, what differentiates human beings from other life form is that humans are self-aware while uh, other animals are not some even argue that humans feel pain and animals do not and i think that has been proven to be wrong in many aspects uh, some even argue that intelligence is a, a factor that differentiates animals from humans. However, some animals are pretty very intelligent, and some humans are not really intelligent, or I would say intelligent, <laughs> intellectually acute. Thus, uh, so we can't say that intelligence is what differentiates uh, humans from animals. Some people say that it is emotion. They say because we have more emotions than animals, it seems that means what that is the differing factor. But one thing you will notice it's all these ideologies and philosophies, it seems that all of them often come to a breaking point. 
because it cannot fully come to a concrete point eh, as to what differentiates a human being from an animal because it always seems like a spectrum everything is a spectrum um because even we know that within the animal species uh there are different levels of intellect and understanding and self-awareness uh, we cannot compare the brain of a chicken to that of an ostrich even though the, both of them are birds so it doesn't really matter if there is something unique about human beings what differentiates human beings from all other uh, species is i feel our personhood and when i say personhood i mean what god imputed himself into us to be a reflection of him so i feel like what differentiates us from other animals is that unlike they we are a reflection of god feel we are made in image of god not only are we spirits not only are we alive we are also reflections of god uh, we look like god we talk like god and that is why we can communicate with god in a unique way that animals cannot we can reason with god which is something animals cannot do <laughs> and i feel that is the distinguishable art that differentiates us from animals in our being we have a section of god himself i feel um we've dived into the fundamental concept of life itself and the differentiations between different types of life and the existence of different types of life and um, i think i should move forward i think i've dwelt too much on that and um ways uh even though i've found and explained the distinction between animals plants and human beings i still want us to in the same vein know that all life is valuable to god you know jesus christ once said that um uh, two sparrows not sold for a penny yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of the father's care so that's how valuable every life is to god god is the giver of life and the keeper of life and the taker of life <laughs> well, life is very valuable to god and should also be very valuable to us in all its forms and that's why i think i am very passionate about keeping the planet sustainable because fundamentally it is part of my christian faith and i feel like because of the corruption that has come into the world does this it has caused a distortion of the view of human life among humans themselves as it has distorted the view of life from humans to animals from animals to animals from animals to plants that this and distortion of the corruption that has entered the world has also affected humans and the way they view other human life and uh, i think that's where the concept of uh, personhood emerges right because now it seems as if people have found kind of a, a way to differentiate one human life from another human life whereas all human life is a reflection of god himself no one person is more of a reflection of god than another person beautiful people right very attractive people people are no more of a reflection of god i feel than people who you would not consider very attractive but because of the corruption in the world we have seen 
some people as more valuable right and i'll put that uh, as i'll put that up to corruption this corruption is what makes people treat other people not equally this kind of puts a personality above life i don't know if you understand what i'm saying because of the corruption in the world right people have kind of found the concept of personhood to emerge and i feel like people in law will probably have a more interesting grabs of this whole concept but just from my own naive perception and observations right i feel like uh, because of the corruption that has entered into the world now uh human life is not i would say regarded in the same form because if human life was regarded as of the same form and of the same what a lot of the crimes we see in the world will not occur a lot of uh, the human rights abuses will be non-existent because um, a person inherently within them because they are a reflection of God have within them a sense of right and the rights that ought to be awarded afforded them you meet a human being wherever they are in the world they feel like there is there are some rights that should be awarded them just because they are human there are some protections there are some privileges there are some responsibilities that they should have because they are they are humans but the way uh, i perceive it is that uh, this whole rights this whole protection this whole privileges this whole responsibilities because of the corruption that has come into the world is not exercised in the same way right and because of this confusion people kind of think that their life is more valuable than the life of another person because they kind of have the instruments to exercise their rights they have more instruments of protection they have more instruments of and more access to some privileges they have kind of uh, they are liable for less because they have uh, more privileges i don't know if you understand what i'm trying to uh, to say i feel like the corruption in the world has made people feel like uh, and they've kind of created a distinction between hum- who a human is and who a person is right i think yes i think person is the legal term right a person is and who is a person into kind of a review as to what a person is and i found a a definition by an author i think cantos he wrote it in 2005 and in 2005 he said that um he he holds the point of view that uh, an individual is uh, evoked into personhood who has the moral status of an individual the moral status allows for respect and for acknowledgement of rights and duties that we do not owe any other entity not considered a person. And I think this was very well put together, right? Because, and I think the, the selling point to me was that he said the person, a person allows, uh, has this moral status that allows for respect, 
for acknowledgement of rights and duties that we do not owe to any other entity not considered a person. And that is because human beings' rights, they can identify other humans, but the way they relate to each other is based on their personhood, based on what they what they perceive the person's rights to be. Are you getting it? I, they kind of have a, a confusion about that. And that's why you see that uh, a rich man might feel like he's, he's more valuable and his life is more valuable than li- the life of a poor man. A beautiful person might think their life is more valuable than, than that of somebody they deem not, not to be attractive. Even some people feel like because they are healthy, their life is more valuable than that of a sick person. And that's why we have all these human rights abuses right is because of human beings relate to themselves on the value and the attributes they assert to other people and i believe that this is a result of corruption even also you award everyone equal rights you award everyone um equal privileges you award everyone and I believe that is that assertion of uh, personhood based on non-intrinsic factors rather than uh, non-intrinsic characteristics has caused a lot of corruption in the world. And uh, I think that was the beginning of the <laughs> govern- uh, governance, I think, as we know it, about one human being ruling over another human being. is based on the concept of somebody feeling like uh, for society to function there has to be a kind of class system that needs to exist where some people have the right to make all decisions that affect the life of other people other human beings too who also have intrinsic value based on their reflection of the image of god but because of corruption it has this distorted the way we view and interact with each other to the extent that one feels he has the right to rule over another. And why do I know that this is not uh, the, the ideal? Because we are always fighting, I think, throughout all history to have equal rights with each other. Well, why, why is democracy the most revered uh, <laughs> form of governance? It's because it kind of gives us an essence and gives us a view as if we are all equal. Our one vote, my vote counts as much as the vote of the other person. Right, that's the concept of democracy. Is to is is a hope towards the ideal of uh, the equality in humanity. Right, that's the ideal of democracy. That is, that happens in governance. Right, and how do I know that um, even the governance of humans over another human in the concept of having absolute power is not really a design that I feel like it's from God. It's because for most of like Israel's existence, the people that God um, called to to be an, a reflection of himself and his rulership system in governance never wanted a king for his people. Why? Because the concept of a king instinctively gives value to the life of one above others. And if you read uh, that, the book of Samuel, when Samuel was talking to the, the Israelites about the concept of kinship, he's saying that you are willingly giving yourself to have some, a, a, another human being to have more value than, than you do have value. He has the 
power to impede on your own rights as a human being just by the concept of kinship right and that was not this desire for god like in an ideal world right because we are all reflections of him he doesn't give one rights over the other we express god in different ways right but intrinsically intrinsically uh, how do i pronounce this word right right we know that uh, you are no more of god than i am of god like the clearer your understanding of how much of god you are will make you act more like god I feel like I'm rambling on and on, but I feel like I've been able to break down, break down these concepts at least to the simplest form I, as I can. And I hope that you have a clear understanding of what I'm trying to say. That um, let me, in quick terms, summarize that we 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 all life is valuable. The plants' life are valuable. Animals' lives are valuable, and most valuable is human life. In, in whatever way it expresses itself so we should uh, take cognizance as this in, in exercising our day-to-day activities don't consider yourself having more rights to another human being maybe because you have more money than that human being and as i always like to use a story i'm going to use the story to analyze uh what i'm trying uh, my this point of discussion today and that has to do the story was trendy on online i think earlier this month and it was the story of a former nigerian senator and his wife right and they had a sick daughter who had kidney issues and they went to the street of lagos nigeria and um bargained with a poor boy to take him to the United Kingdom to donate one of his kidneys to their daughter. And when they got to the United Kingdom, (laughs) things transpired and they were arrested. And um, people online were having a few day about this because um, they were like, oh, he thinks what he, he can do in Nigeria, he can go and do it abroad. Because fundamentally, I feel like the whole situation is about personhood and humanity. In the sense that because some people believe that uh, their social status, their because they have more money than another person that intrinsically means that their life is more valuable than another person that's why they can go to the street and say you give me your kidney my life my daughter's life is more value <coughs> more valuable than your own life i don't care about the repercussions of you having your kidney removed i'm going to pay you this kind of, uh, amount of money and you give me your kidney but they don't know that uh, <laughs> Not all people view life in that. People, different nations are aspiring to the ideal of the human nature and the human concepts than other nations. So you can't go around and taking other people's <laughs> kidneys. You don't go around taking other people's hearts because your heart is malfunctioning because of the concept of seeing 
your own life as more valuable is an act of corruption. Seeing your life as more valuable than another person's life to the extent you have the arrogance to demand that one's life for yours is the arrogance for me. People were like, oh, but he decided he wanted to go. He decided he was going to get the money. He decided based on his oppression that he was going to give his kidney because he saw it at the way out. But when his oppression was taken away from him, he decided not to. So don't take people's decisions when you've taken away their rights as as fair. Why don't, if, if they felt like that decision could be fair, they could have asked a friend of their daughter's for her kidney, somebody of the same social uh, economic status as he was. You should have asked another senator's child to give, if, if really it was an act of selflessness that the guy was doing. It was an act of desperation. And when he was no longer desperate, he made a decision based on the new rights that were awarded him. And that's explain, that happens in all span of life, even in marriages. Some people will marry people that are desperate and they make the decision under desperation. And as the, the uh, circumstances in life change, they make better decisions. They make decisions based on the new rights they've acquired. And they are shocked that people made these decisions based on the, this new right that was awarded them because of the decisions they made in their desperation. I don't know if I'm very clear on my perception of on life and humanity, but I always want us like to go out every day looking at other people just as valuable as, as we are. Even if maybe we have other attributes that they may not have, you might be more educated than somebody, doesn't mean your life is more valuable than them. You might be richer than somebody, doesn't mean your life is more valuable than them. You, are, you might be healthier than somebody, you might be more attractive than somebody, Different aspects might contribute to you being more palatable to the taste of others, but that doesn't intrinsically make your life more valuable. And try as much as possible. It's going to be easy life. It will be an easy life to live if you live your life not trodden on other people's rights, intrinsic rights of justice and the sense of mercy that they do have. Have a sense of mercy. <laughs> yes, I think that's how I put it. Have a sense of mercy as you go through your life and knowledge that every human life is same fundamentally every human life is same corruption makes us think our personhood is more substantial than others but when we take out all layers every human life is valuable on equal terms and that is what we should strive for i hope you enjoyed my podcast for today and i hope to record soonest Have a splendid time.